I'm Professor Shane Greenstein, and you're listening to the Harvard Business School Digital Initiative Seminar, a premier seminar series that hosts thinkers and scholars who are pushing forward research on the digital transformation of the economy by conducting and connecting with cutting-edge leaders, equipping leaders, and building community, the digital initiative seeks not just to study, but also to shape digital transformation. To learn more, check out digital.hbs.edu. Let's go around the room uh, and, and help Michael understand who we are, and then he can take it over. I'm Shane Greenstein from the Tom Unit. I'm Fred Angle from the Strategy Unit. I'm Eric Mankin. I'm a senior researcher. I work with Linda Hill, I guess, on the organizational behavior unit. Uh, Grace Luke, a doctoral student in Tom. Brad Edotifi, the business analytics program. I'm Jan Hammond. I'm in the Tom unit, technology operations manager. Esam Madabi, I'm doctoral student in Tom. Daphne Gould, doctoral student in marketing. Mike Wells, doctoral student in marketing. Alan, doctoral student at Sloan. The marker and seating, the TLM unit. And Hi, I'm Hanjin. I'm a doctor student the strategy unit. <laughs> oh, wait, back here. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, I'm Diane Williams. I'm a computer scientist and I'm a Sloan in Harvard. Okay, and I got the clock here too. Okay, so okay. Uh, Go I'm for it. Michael Zand, uh, volunteer at KBS in school. So uh, I, I do a lot of work on the firm level. So uh, today, as you can see, we have a lot of big data. Uh, we use uh, data-driven decision-making. So through our research, I mean the business school professor's research, over the last 20 years, uh, we made a tremendous progress to, to help companies to make better decision-making. However, on the individual level, uh, as I can show in this project, sometimes we don't even make correct decisions. So, so in this project, actually, um, we're trying to look at the consumers' uh, a kind of a decision bias. So to motivate, uh, I will just show you some uh, figures from IMDb. So this is IMDb movie ratings, uh, going from one star to 10 stars. These are two movies. So I'll give you 10 seconds to look at these two movies and uh, try to decide so tonight, suppose you want to watch a movie, which one would you pick? Uh, ignore the title, because I know some people, they have strong preferences. <laughs> ignore the title, just look at the distribution. One so, on the right. One on the right. One on the right. So I think that's unanimous, right? So uh, first of all, the average rating is higher than this movie, and uh, it's also unanimous. Over here, you, you have some debates. Some people think it's good, some people think it's bad. So. Over the last 20 years of uh, word of mouth research, we know that uh, uh, that's a fact. Right? People like higher rated movies. However, in the last 20 years of research, you can see researchers, we use all kinds of fancy ways to calculate uh, the, the measures. Like if the mean is easy, you know, it's shown there, but how about the standard deviation? We constantly use that in research, but people don't really calculate that. And uh, some people even go all the way to calculate entropy, HHI, all these fancy measures. But, but then consumers, actually, they decide on the movie within one second, probably half second, right? So, so, so that's uh, actually a fact. And, uh, and uh, maybe traditional researchers, we were not looking at the right thing because uh, consumers don't really do calculations like what they do in their models. Um, 
So there are like 20 years of research, right? So there are basically two stages. The first stage, people ask a simple question. Uh, online word of mouth, are they predictors or influencers of sales? Uh, pretty much we established, yes, it's uh, both influencer and a predictor, right? So 10 years of research. The next 10 years, we studied uh, about the impact of sales. So, so in various ways, the word of mouth will have an impact on consumers before they make purchases. So that's well understood. Uh, and because of this, a lot of companies, they, they rely on word of mouth. Um, so, so we see a lot of companies actually manipulate such ratings because indeed they can through manipulating word of mouth to achieve better sales. Like, uh, for example, this study uh, uh, about uh, online reviews, uh, companies actually, we have evidence that they post positive reviews on their own, uh, you know, uh, restaurants and the negative reviews to their competitors' restaurants. So, so that's manipulation. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, uh, showing the company's efforts, but uh, sometimes it's uh, downright illegal. In this literature, there's a small, um, kind of a small, Google the paper studying biases in online word of mouth. Because uh, if we use online word of mouth to make decisions, we hope they should be unbiased, right? So that's uh, the basics. And then, uh, actually, I'm going to quickly show you these papers about what they're talking about. But the one thing is that they're all on the supply side. Basically, I mean, when people give ratings, uh, they're subject to such biases. So this paper basically tells us uh, when people experience some, some products, these are book reviews. If you feel mediocre about a book, you, you tend not to, to bother to give a rating, unless you really hate it or you, you really like it. Um, and then why we have more positive ratings? Uh, that's something we call you know, acquisition bias. So when people buy this book, no matter how bad it is, because we bought it, then it means we like it uh, by default. So, so th this is called something called the J-shaped distribution. Uh, in that paper, it can be shown that uh, such biases can be adjusted. Okay, and now of course there's a um, temporal issue, right? So in the beginning, of course, people love you know Avengers. They they go to the cinema. No matter if they watch it or not, they give five stars. And then people in the rest of the population they go in. So you see this decay. Again, in this paper, they show that this kind of bias can be adjusted. Uh, this is a very interesting paper. When you have a bilateral trading, uh, two sides of the trade will try to wait to, to give ratings. So, so on eBay, if I'm the seller, I don't want to give ratings to the buyers until I see the rating from the buyer. Because uh, uh, if uh, I don't like the experience, I give a negative rating, uh, the other party can retaliate me. Uh, irrespective of my quality. So, so as a result, on eBay you see 99% of the re reviews are, ratings are positive, but this paper shows that uh, if you see someone remain silent, maybe that's a signal that the deal didn't uh, go well. Uh, as a result, recently if you look at Airbnb, you know, some companies, they hide the other party's ratings before, you know, uh, un until you, you give a rating, then they disclose both ratings. Uh, this is about engineering. They looked at uh, the deviations. So they found that uh, negative reviews over time become more and more negative. Positive reviews become more and more positive. This is average deviation increases. 
Uh, the reason is, of course, if you're the first one to rate a movie, if you say it's five, it's five. If you're the number 100th person, you have a 1% influence on the average review price. So, so, so the later you come in, the more you want to be, be very extreme in, uh, in giving the, the ratings. Uh, this is uh, my forthcoming paper. Basically, we study, you know, if you go to Yelp, uh, you, you check out some restaurant, and uh, before consumption, your friends' ratings will help you, right? Because you have similar tastes, you want to know if your friends like it or not. But after consumption, we found a, a serious bias. So suppose you want to give a five star to this restaurant, and you go to the website. You found, oh, my friend gave a one star. So do I still want to give a five star? Probably no. I, I want to lower it to, so in order to have this social connection with my friends. But because of that, there's a bias. Uh, but how do you know that uh, someone has an initial five-star intention? Uh, we don't observe that. So that paper actually used a, a kind of a quasi-experiment to identify that. Uh, so all these biases, I, I covered maybe five of them, they're all from the supply side. So when people gave ratings, you have uh, such biases. So this paper, we have an um, a examination of how consumers interpret the ratings, so from the demand side. Before that, actually, uh, I try to make this as interactive as possible. So you are you are expected to be participants of this study, uh, <laughs> to be my subjects and uh, not necessarily co-authors. Uh, <laughs> so my co-author is here. <laughs> I removed the title of the movies. So similar to the previous case, look look at these two movies. Which one would you watch for tonight? How many of you choose movie P? Okay, uh, one, two, three, four, five. How many of you would choose movie Q? I wouldn't watch either of them. <laughs> I ask again, how many of you would choose movie Q? It's uh, your last chance to vote for movie Q. Just one. Very interesting. Uh, by the end of the talk, I will show you it's absolutely wrong to choose movie P. <laughs> yeah, I, I do this uh, everywhere, and uh, and uh, yeah. So so by the end of the talk, anyways. So let's let's do some uh, exploration then. Uh, these two movies. If I ask you, I would say a lot of people would like to watch this movie, right? You know. But if you calculate the mean, this movie has a. Uh, 7.02, this movie has a 7.22. This, this movie is slightly better. Yeah. But why people choose this one? Right? So that's the initial observation we had. And we found that, uh, well, this is not predicted by previous theory. Maybe we should uh, examine this in more details. So we came up with uh, two conjectures. So if you look at this, this is more, has more variance, more uh, like lower rating. This one is a higher rating, uh, lower variance. So according to the theory, you should choose this one. But yes. Yeah, just to understand how the consumer would make this decision, are these graphs being shown, or is it the numbers being shown? Uh, both, both. So actually, the graphs are shown, and together with the percentages. So exactly what we see. Yes. Yeah. Well, as I can see here, <coughs> the probability of like having a good rating above like eight. On the one on the on the left is much higher than the one on the right, right? Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's your decision rule, right? It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. 
uh, we will do a lot of uh, examinations uh, in order to find out the true reason behind it. So that's uh, part of it, but then it's not the whole story. So there are two conjectures. The first one is individuals are not so sensitive about variances. So, so for movie, maybe variance is a good thing, right? So, but uh, in the literature, actually, Monique Sun showed that for movie with low ratings, high variance is a good thing. But in the literature, nobody said that high variance is generally a good thing. Uh, in our paper, basically, from the discussion so far, we, we think maybe the variance is not so such a big uh, factor in people's decision. And the individuals are biased toward a positive skew, so like what you said. Uh, this is more like positive skewed, maybe uh, irrespective of uh, this uh, mean score, people like this shape, and uh, that's one well, conjecture. Is this was, so it, are you basically inferring uh, that whether people are making a good uh, decision not strictly because of their choice from observing that distribution, or is, is this sort of somehow a predictor of the distribution that, that people's choice on actually watching the movie and sort of their experience afterwards. In other words, I mean, it could be that, I mean, the assumption is that you have, for example, on the left, you have two different distributions right. that are overlapping, right? So there's, you have two segments of the population, one of them that's sort of like, eh, it's exactly. okay, but. So uh, that's a great suggestion, uh, and it's not a complete story. We'll, we'll show you why. Uh, so in this one, maybe, uh, you know, but, but what makes you to think you belong to this distribution rather yeah. than this one, right? So, so we, yeah. can, we can examine this uh, in more detail. So that's the whole objective of this paper. Okay. Uh, research questions, is there a bias? The bi by bias, I mean uh, a lower rated movie can be selected by more people. You know, that's, that's a bias. Uh, and how do we quantify this bias? And uh, how does this influence consumer decision making? So, so let's do some exploration. I'll show you a lot of figures. You will be my subjects again. <laughs> There's two movies. Which one would you choose? Ooh. Left movie? Left movie. Left. Mm -hmm. Right? Okay, so more people chose uh, left. And I can show you uh, the mean. They're the same, seven. Variance, same, because it's just flipped. Yeah. So, so, but more people chose this one. So 70% people chose this one. There must be something beyond the mean and variance here. So, so what is it? Maybe the shape, right? So, so some people may conjecture, oh, it's, uh, uh, you know, people look at this longest bar. Yes, but then there's more to it. So let's examine more. The second set of tests, we look at uh, same mean, but different variance. And, uh, same mean, different variants, people like this one. Again, because of the shape, right? So uh, this is becoming where it be becomes interesting. Uh, how many of you would choose the left movie? The left, movie? Left, left one. I'll give you some time. Okay, right movie? Okay, equal. Uh, in my experiment, 60% people choose this one. What does that mean, right? So let's stop a moment. We examine the bar bars. The nine stars, this one 35%, this one 35%. We can cancel them out, right? No matter what's your, uh, your utility function, you know, similar number of people believe it's nine stars in both movies, we cancel <coughs> them out. So it means more people like this, uh, a lot of shorter bars than this long bar. That's the only difference, agreed? Now, 
Which two movies of these two do you like? Left movie? Hmm. Or right? Go, I'll have to go with the last. Left. Okay, right. I think majority became the right. Uh, that's exactly what we found. Um, again, with the same argument, we can cancel this bar, right? Why suddenly people switch? You told me you like the shorter bars, and now suddenly you like the long bar. So greater variance could signal that consumers are actually using several parameters and mm -hmm. even several subjective parameters, like taste. So do you see a difference if you uh, change the product category in the way that people choose? Uh, on the individual level, probably. But aggregate level, we see the fact that people switched on average. So this paper, basically, we're studying the aggregate level uh, on average. So, so that's a great question. That's our next kind of paper. So it's a different paper. Uh, individually, yes. Uh, we do observe people make all these uh, choices. Some people are consistent. Some are not. Uh, we need to go deeper. Right. So for this, so this is actually challenging a very weak assumption. By weak, I mean it's not very strong, right? <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very weak uh, assumption because uh, it's harmless. You know, in economic modeling, utility modeling, branch independence is a very innocuous uh, assumption. But branch independence basically says uh, this bar has nothing to do with other bars. So you can cancel this out. People's decisions should remain the same. But uh, we challenged this already. Um, so, so why is that? And now we come back to this uh, figure. We motivated our discussion. And uh, unfortunately, <laughs> except one of you, all of you chose this, uh, this one. Uh, I'll show you why this is a bad idea. If you like 10 stars, this movie has more 10 stars. <coughs> you should choose this one. If you look at nine stars, this movie has more nine stars. It's just this one. If you look at all the ratings above eight stars, they have a similar, same number of uh, above eight stars. So you should be indifferent, but at the same time, you have more nine stars. Again, you should choose this one. And same, same, same. And here, this movie has more one stars. It's a worse movie. So why do you choose this one? Yes. How do we think about a decision in this context as being biased or not? So one of the things I'm trying to think about is if my prior is that these reviews have no informative signal, and my rule is to just randomly choose between the two, you might see that my rule doesn't make sense, that it's inconsistent, but it, does that mean that it's biased? Uh, if you do it randomly, we should see 50-50%, which we don't see here. All these comparisons are significant. So people systematically prefer one kind of uh, distribution than the other kind of, yeah. Uh, my decision to watch a movie is like a zero-one decision, right? Right. And then my evaluation technically should be above some level, right? So instead of like looking at this histogram thing, I should have like looked at uh, like some sort of cumulative distribution mm -hmm. instead of like you nobody know, what, what it is now. Yeah. So that, that, that's why I think the second one is better. Cumulative, uh, yeah, exactly. Cumulative distribution for the second one. If you like this one, it's actually the right choice. You should like this one. But just now, most people, they liked this one. Right. right. So, 
So, so I guess the part I'm struggling with a little bit is that mapping of utility onto these ratings, right? So are you assuming sort of a scalar distribution so that, uh, to, to, for to me, and if you think about the literature around, um, uh, um, around um, customer satisfaction, right? Um, and and uh, promoters, net promoter score. Yeah. You know, you you care about the nines and tens. Right. And you don't really care below that. Right. Because because the distribution of utility is actually more logarithmic than anything. So I'm looking for stuff that has uh, higher ratings on nines and tens, even if there's ones and twos in it too. We fully agreed, but then you still should choose yeah. that. So. It's no point to choose that one. Well, so personally, what re I, the reason I chose the left one is because of the big eight-star thing. Exactly, right. exactly. So, so this one is very salient compared to the other ones. Although, if you look closely, you still shouldn't, right? So, so, so right, no, maybe no. one more question, so we, we should move on. Mine was going to be a comment. I actually think there's some sort of a maxi-min type of thing, like yeah, a yeah. probability-weighted thing. When I look the yeah. one on the left and I see all that stuff at the bottom, I think, boy, a lot of people thought this movie really sucked, and so <laughs> I, I don't want to do that. So, so you know, I guess I would probably on the opposite of there because we would have but it's more negative utility. Max mean is yeah. still yeah. purely rational. If you're purely rational, you should know it's equal number of uh, low ratings, and this one is even more lower ratings. But that's why I don't like the pink. Yeah. I, I, I prefer the Q. So it must be something else. It's not fully rational, right? So. One more, one more question. I just want, we, we, I can't help but look at these and think of, like, if I have some asymmetric loss function when I pick, when I buy anything, I look at these charts. And I really care, like, far more about the fact that I could end up with, like, a bunch of one or two star things. And this hurts me way more than I benefit from having a couple, like, a nine or ten star thing. Uh -huh. uh, so for I, the other figures, yes, I agree with you. If you look at these, you, you hate these things, I agree. But for this figure, still, you know, you have more probability to hit one star in this one, and well, you still chose one. No, that, that depends on the loss function. Because if I had something, say I centered it at five, and I had like a negative exponent of like, oh, I had an exponent of 10, then my one star will become like super negative, and it would be like worth far, far less to me than anything, any 10 star could ever be. No matter how, how weird your loss function can be, <laughs> uh, this one has more one stars. So this one definitely is worse than this one. Hmm. Right? If Agreed. you look at it linearly. Unless, I, I, don't know, I don't know how to explain this, right? So I, I don't know in what situation you would <coughs> like uh, this distribution with more one stars, no matter how, how your distribution, uh, utility function can be. Hmm. So let, let's, let's move on. I'll, I'll show you. Um, so. This movie, first of all, has a higher mean yeah. and uh, uh, same variance because it's flipped. So, but still, <coughs> there are more people choose this one. But the baseline is not fifty percent, unlike the previous figures. Previous figures, the baseline is fifty percent. This one should be zero. You should be comparing this number with zero. So it's really, really significant. And uh, in the literature, if you you know, utility theory has never been shown that fourth order stochastic dominance can be can be uh, violated because uh, because no matter how your utility function, max mean, I agree. You know, you cannot do this. Okay, so so let's come up with a model to explain this. Um, we we call this a distributional massive effect because the massive effect is big, gets bigger. And in this situation, we interpret the long bar to be even longer. So that's our conjecture. So, 
So by looking at this figure, uh, you don't interpret this as 36%. You interpret it as 50% or even more. So that's our interpretation. Um, and that's not the whole story. The second part of the story is this bias also depends on other less salient features. So all these the shapes in other regions also influence how you make the decision. So, so how do we come up with a model? The model is actually very simple. You know, it's based on subjective uh, expected utility. Uh, you have a P, so that's the probability you end up in one of the stars. And you transform this, so if you have a positive transformation by observing 36, you transform that to be 80%, 50%, right? So, so each one of us should have a, such a function, but we don't observe this function. So we use Taylor expansion to see how this, you know, to, to look at this curvature, right, basically about this function. So, so, so we understand it more. Um, <coughs> after transformation, <coughs> it still needs to be a probability function, so, so we normalize that by dividing all these t's. So that's a probability measure. And then we use this probability measure to multiply with your utility for each one of the bars. Uh, you, yeah, exactly, coming back to your questions, you know, you absolutely hate uh, one star, but it's equal on both sides. Uh, you, you like 10 stars, so that's a U you get there. So in total, you have a such a utility. Um, and the bias can be calculated by the difference, because uh, this is uh, our calculated bias. This one is uh, just the expected utility, where you just multiply p together with the distribution. And then we have this form. Um, this part is something we call DME, distributional massive effect. It's, uh, this part is a deviation. This is uh, like a weighted by p squared. So, so if you think about it, it has the same unit as a standard deviation. Uh, and then there's a scaling factor determined by people's preference. So different people may have a different lambda, so this is a curvature measure. So, so that's a model. With the model, we can compare with uh, uh, the, the models in the literature. Uh, you know, this is a vanilla expected utility, right? Subject, uh, objective. And then Savage has this uh, subjective probability, basically observing some distribution, you have a different perception. And all these models, prospect theory, cumulative prospect theory, um, similar to us. We have a subjective probabilities. Number of events, we have multiple <coughs> compared to prospect theory two. Uh, the weighting sum to one, yes, we, we normalized. And the weighting distorted by Alcon uh, utilities, uh, no, because uh, our weighting does not depend on the utility itself. This is our unique feature weighting distorted by other probability components. Like what, what I told you, uh, this lumbar, but, but it's not only story. Uh, the other bars will also influence how we make decisions. And we have the exact, very precise mathematical measure of this. So, so we try to come up with, with a measure to, to measure this bias. Yeah, okay, so this, thank you. This great table, because it sets up questions that's been in my head for a while. So you have a behavioral theory, right? That's the goal. Mm -hmm. And it's mm -hmm. a behavioral theory to explain evidence you're about to show us, or uh, no? It's it's just a, a measure of the bias. It's not behavioral. We're not claiming we know the mechanism. Uh, that's right. question number one. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. Right. Uh, so it's a mechanism to explain what you observe, but not necessarily to predict. 
uh, we're able to predict. We are. So I'll, I'll show you some empirical evidence. Okay, because as a behavioral theory of an individual decision-making, it, it, in comparison to these others, it's kind of interesting because it requires, the, it's the multiple part that really gets, right? Because uh, when you look at, say, prospect theory, mm -hmm. go back to there, yeah. right? right there's, every decision is independent of every other decision. Uh, and it's really necessary that every decision is uncertain, uh, the outcome's uncertain. And so it's, you know, the mechanism that it really uh, leverages is uh, inability to forecast. Right. Right. Uh, right. Whereas here, it's not, uh, it's, I guess it's leveraging the inability to forecast, but as informed by having observed others. Um, so <clears throat> up to here, you know, the, so that's a, that's the baseline of the model, right? So yeah. basically, we conjecture there's a transformation. That's all, and all these IELTS is just mathematics. There's nothing. We don't have any assumptions. Uh, and, hopefully, you don't, and you don't have to assume anything about the mechanism, right. but it, right. it, it it feels not better if I have a reason. But for <coughs> yeah, I, I think this one can give us some idea about so. Uh, where is this problem, right? So if you think about p square, p is uh, smaller than one, right? So if it's square this one, then you put more weights on higher probability events and... Uh, on the modal, whatever the, 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 wherever the mode is, if you want to call it that. Okay, the mode is a great question because uh, in the beginning we thought it's just a mode, but then we found that it's not only the mode because uh, we have a lot of experiments to show mode itself cannot explain this. Mm. I'll show you. Oh, okay. Is this, okay. I mean, do you know if this is something that just related to, to our ability to read charts quickly, or is it really about exactly. interpreting probability? I, I think it's our inability to make a decision quickly because we have to make a quick decision, and yeah. sometimes we ignore the, the information there. But, it's, but part of it is kind of eyeballing the chart, and the big and the big bar kind of comes out, and then, exactly. then there's a lot of rationalization afterwards. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, yeah. Okay, yeah. So we picked the wrong yeah. thing, right? But but. Um, yeah, but is it just a is it visual <coughs> or I mean I guess maybe you know the me I mean it could be anything right? could be anything. But if you change if you, instead of uh, showing the plots you give people the numbers, right? Uh, we we give them the percentages. Mm -hmm. so, uh, we have a, a lot of robustness checks to in order to find out the mechanism behind it. But uh, I think unless you can do individual level uh, consumer behavior kind of a stuff, uh, you cannot really pin down the mechanism. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. That's helpful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, do you see this as consumers making a mistake where they're choosing a movie that they would get less utility from? Or do you see it as something that's systematic about how they see their utility? So if you actually showed them the movie that they chose that has lower expected utility, they could actually be happier than if they chose the other movie. Uh, that's a great question. So let's uh, hold that thought. I think near the end of we're going to discuss this, all these implications. Um, Okay, so <clears throat> empirical results, uh, more results, right? We, we saw this, and this is statistically significant. People choose this one, you know, because uh, we, this time we'll calculate the DME. The DME is positive here, negative here, so we predict people should like this one. So, so the model, I think, is more like a prediction model, which is uh, we cannot explain, you know, people really calculate this because we don't. Um, 
And this case, we have a higher variance, uh, same mean, uh, compared to the previous one. This is positive, negative. Again, people should like this one. And uh, this is a high variance, low variance, same mean. And uh, zero, negative, we predict people like this one. Um, same, so, so we have seen all these. So, and, and then we try to study the, about the mode question. <coughs> Maybe mode itself will explain everything. So, <coughs> question. Yeah, can you go back? Uh, the previous one? Yeah, one before this. Here. Here, exactly. So, the, the, the previous one. so here, if it's uh, like a lottery choice, like, you know, I'm yes, giving yes, you. Yes. Um, a choice of like you know of playing a game and then pay you based on these things like yes that that's a payment. Why should people choose the one on the left? Um, <coughs> it's exactly why that people <coughs> definitely will choose the one on the right. Right. Uh, first of all, that's observed. So uh, because there are reasons, there's a positive higher prob uh, probability you get a positive return. There's a higher lower probability you get an even higher return. So so people trade off. But in the end, I, I don't know, because uh, I, <coughs> I work with Marco, so um, all these decisions are just visual, you know. I, I look at this, I have an instinct, kind of instinctively I, I, I choose this one. I, I don't do all these utility calculations. But and you're not saying it's better, you're saying that people choose it. This is just empirical. This is empirical, yeah. So we, we conduct this uh, yeah. out of 100 people, yeah, 101. So, so I guess it's uh, just uh, visually, you know, they do this. So we show this, basically that, that's objective. Um, and, and then we, we try to examine the mode question. So, so you say, ah, this one, the mode is here, the mode is here, therefore people choose this one, right? So, so far so good. And the mode, we can cancel them. We found that uh, even if we cancel the mode, uh, there's a second, secondary mode people care about. So people care about this one is higher than this. Uh, indeed, more people choose this one, and then when you put this down over here, people still like this one. Uh, now we have an experiment to, to show that mode is not the only story. So the mode is here, this one mode is here. According to the mode hypothesis, people should choose this one, but because of the rest of the distribution, people like this one. So, so it's not only the mode. Can you talk just for a second about the experimental methodology? Experimental is basically we exactly we have one sentence here. We tell people suppose you only pick up a movie for tonight, based on the distribution of the ratings, which one would you choose? And you give them is it time based? In no, other words, you can no, they take can as much time as you want to yeah, decide. Exactly, exactly. So, so same. Uh, it's not just mode. And then branch independence, this is a very strong result because uh, it's violated. But we can use a DME to explain this. The DME is positive, this is negative. So we predict people choose that one. And then DME, this is a negative, positive. We predict <coughs> this one. Uh, first order stochastic dominance, right? So in the literature, I don't believe I have read any paper to show the violation of this. Uh, because it's really, really strong. Uh, we can plot this um, in, in this format, right? So movie P has the distribution of this one. Movie Q, so Q dominates P. Um, but 
with DME, we know that this is positive, this is negative. Therefore, um, people you know tend to choose this one. Again, this is compared to zero. Nobody should choose this one. So, and then we go. <laughs> We went crazy because uh, it's so cheap to run such experiments. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we have a high mean, uh, low variance, high mean, high variance, low mean, low variance, low mean, high variance, uh, four conditions. And then because this one has some advantage because of the shape, we try to penalize this. So we re reduce this a little bit so that the mean difference here is the same mean. Here we, give, we penalize this. So we, we, we try to push people to like this one because the mean is lower. And we have an even more higher difference. And then through this, we try to see how people trade off between mean and DME. And uh, you can see uh, people like P in the beginning. But when we increase the difference, they switch. So, so indeed, they care about both mean and DME. And in all situations, people switch. So this figure basically says that. Uh, when there's no difference, people dominantly like someone with a positive DME, but once the mean is uh, significantly different, people start to switch. Okay. Because of this, we have a lot of uh, subjects, uh, we can run regressions. Uh, with regressions, we have the advantage to examine uh, all these different trade-offs. So, so the idea is uh, people make decisions, so it's a logic model, uh, they, they look at the mean variance DME and they make a decision. Uh, the only thing is uh, the DME has this uh, curvature parameter, which we don't observe. So, so we propose a kind of an iterative regression algorithm to, in order to, to approximate this lambda over, over time with more data. So here's the results. Uh, the most vanilla version over here, uh, people, uh, of course, they like high mean. The mean uh, variance is not significant. And then we introduce the DME. They are positive, significant. But remember, we have uh, this curvature thing, so we need to adjust that. So after adjustment with iterative regression, this parameter becomes even larger. So this is about roughly five times of the mean. So, so you can interpret this as uh, uh, for each unit of change in, in, in mean, you need uh, in DME, you need five units of change in mean to compensate for that. So that means uh, if you have a, a deviation, DME, to be around the level of 0.5, that can turn a movie up or down by 2.5 points. So that will change a bad movie to a good one mm -hmm. or a good movie to a bad one. So you, you haven't checked this for anything other than movies? Yes, <laughs> we do. Uh, I'll, I'll show you that. Along those lines, it surprises me a little bit that there's there's the variance doesn't show up in, mm -hmm. because movies are notoriously very subjective, right? Whereas right. I don't know something like the value of a water bottle is is much less subjective, and so I'm curious if maybe you'll get the that. reason is uh, all these figures are artificial. We created sure. figures, so so just wait. We have we have, we have the real data and then everything. Yeah. So in the experiment, are the subjects involved in several different situations, like consecutively, or are they just like, the only participants? That's a great question. We did the uh, different uh, groups, and uh, some people they just see these two figures and they, they go away. Uh, some people they see consecutive decisions. We try to randomize those. We didn't find any difference. 
So in the end, we try to save some money, and uh, each person <laughs> needs to compare. Uh, I think at most uh, four sets of movies. Yeah, and then, and then after that, we ask some demographic questions. So potentially, we can also do that kind of analysis. I see, because yeah. if it's consecutive, then people might be comparing. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, we 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 did that, and uh, we saw no uh, because people are so focused on this comparison between these two. So, yeah. Is there any evidence of left-right bias? No, uh, we randomized that part too. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, could be, could be. Yeah, I agree. Like, yeah, left is default. So one way uh, you could probably study across different categories is actually to go on to Amazon and look for like a patterns, like a exactly. that matches with your exactly. like, experimental yeah. studies. Right, right, right. Then your sales rep to see that okay, there's the one that shouldn't like get lots of additional sales, right? Actually increase exactly, sales. Exactly, exactly. So excellent idea. We did that <laughs> earlier version, earlier version of that. Okay. It's not the fully implemented. I'll, I'll talk about why. So. Remember, we have this curvature um, thing, and if there's no subjective transformation, if you perceive the 36% as 36%, uh, you should have uh, this straight line. But now, because of this subjective uh, projection, we observe people behave in this way. So they underestimate the prob low probability events, they overestimate the high probability events. So, so that's how they behave. Um, that's interesting, but it's even more interesting if you compare this to cumulative prospect theory. You can see the curve flipped. So the question is why? You know, in both situations, people are trying to make better choices. They try to avoid problems. But in cumulative prospect theory, people overestimate small probability events, underestimate the high probability events. Um, What's different? So what you're saying, just to make sure I understand, is it, what you're seeing is that people are actually overestimating high probability events. Yeah. As versus the prospect theory, which is the other right. side. Right. So remember the distribution, the 30%, 36% is interpreted to be 40, 50%. Mm -hmm. Yeah, anyway, so it's too much to ask you. <laughs> 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 uh, our conjecture is uh, because uh, these settings are different. In process theory, uh, you try to avoid uh, negative uh, consequences. Mm -hmm. So you, you tend to pay too much attention to small probability negative events. And the movie probably because, first of all, you can walk away. You, know, you, right. you can watch the movie for five minutes and go away. It's not very costly. So you're more like a risk-seeking in this context, maybe. Uh, but the risk-seeking, again, you know, just now all these comparisons, uh, risk-seeking cannot explain. So, so, but that might be a reason to show this curvature. So uh, we need to conduct additional tests, which we have some ideas. Uh, then then we, we didn't do Amazon. Yes, question. So when you say risk-seeking or risk-takers, because of which we're talking about only about the pros, it's not negative or positive. It can go either way, right? Yes. Yes. So, so like it, it can be like a negative probability, but with a high probability, and then people are still overestimate it. Yes. So, so exactly. So we, we that's just a conjecture of, of this curvature. Uh, we're not saying this can explain the empirical outcomes of all these experiments. Yes. Um, 
So we collected some real data from IMDb. This is uh, from the whole universe of movies. Uh, you can see a lot of movies, they have a slightly positive DME, uh, but you do see some uh, movies with very positive and very negative DMEs. Uh, so, so movies with zero DME, it's not many movies. So there, there's a lot of movies with a small positive uh, DME. So, so it's a significant problem. You, almost in all movies, uh, when you have a non-symmetric distribution in the uh, probabilities, you have this problem. Um, and, uh, on the IMDb results, you didn't have the distributions, right? You had like they don't display like the bar chart. Really. They do. They do. They do. They do. Yeah. Uh, the, the, give me one second. Uh, the only thing is uh, in that data set, we have a snapshot. So we cannot observe something Feng just suggested. If we could, then we can study how this evolved over time. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's going to say, but IMDB though has two things in it. it uh, I wonder if you tested this as well. Yeah, you have the snapshot, and then you have the change over time. So a decision made with only the previous accumulation is uninformed by the path it took to that accumulation. But if you had information about the path, mm -hmm. that might exactly right, right pull exactly. Yeah, you, you exactly. see where it's going. Yes, because the effect you're identifying would it would reinforce a, a uh, increasing returns on an existing uh, rating, right? Conditional on someone not knowing the path that you took to it. Exactly. But so if they knew the path, that might undo the effect. Right. And interestingly, the the absolute effect can be both positive or negative. Depends because uh, if you think about uh, this shape, uh, positive DME leads people to believe the movie is better than it is. But then, if I consume the movie, I may not like it that much, right? Because uh, I perceive it to be 7.5, but in reality, it's 7. Uh, maybe that will backfire. Right, right. And right, in right, the end, exactly. yeah. uh, but maybe the people don't could, care. The path could change the exactly. way. A exactly. later person exactly. evaluates if they watch ten people do so, this. Yeah. So it's not. Right. It, it's it's uh, We don't have a hypothesis. It's positive or negative. We don't we don't know. We, yeah. we need data to, to test that. Yeah. <coughs> uh, we did some robustness tests, like uh, five levels. <coughs> ten levels allowed us to do this first order stochastic fancy distribution. Five stars you cannot, but still you find the consistent uh, results in five stars. So people still you know DME still can predict all these things. So there are a bunch of other robustness checks. Um, for example, uh, different product categories. Uh, price, we checked with cars. We asked uh, choosing between these two cars. Same results. Uh, utilitarian versus the hedonic. Uh, this is in, in, in one talk, some audience asked, uh, what if it's a fridge? You know, I don't care about this. <laughs> it's a boring product. And uh, it has only utility if it's uh, working. Uh, then we tested the uh, fridge, same. Um, so, so movie, cars, books. Uh, so, so we tried some some products over there with different price levels. Uh, vertical display. So currently they're horizontal. Uh, we tried to do it uh, vertical, and we found uh, the same effect, uh, although it's weaker. So people, because here it's like good versus bad. Over here it's it's a little bit harder. Uh, bars versus numbers, because some people say, oh, it's just a visual purity because the bar is there. 
we try the numbers, same. You know, not even numbers. People, they see the percentages. They behave in, in this way. Uh, willingness to pay. So all these tests are about one-to-one -one competition. Uh, we show the one single graph and ask people to drag. After seeing this distribution, how much do you want to pay for this product? Uh, we haven't done that yet. <laughs> uh, pie charts, uh, we haven't done that. So pie charts will be interesting because uh, here we saw histograms. That's uh, one very commonly used. And pie charts is also commonly used. Uh, we our guess is uh, it should work. It's similar visually, you know, if you see a large pie. Uh, you tend to overestimate that, that, that percentage. And uh, artificial ratings, related to earlier question, uh, something we can do is uh, we extract uh, different uh, real movie reviews from uh, IMDb and show those to, to people. Uh, the only disadvantage is uh, here we can perfectly control everything, you know, mean, variance, and here it's becoming more difficult. So have you ever tried um, uh, nor uh, ordered versus numer you know, new cardinal. So uh, what you've got here is a cardinal <coughs> number uh, rather mm -hmm. than, an, you know, which is mixing both ordering and the absolute value of mm -hmm. the number. But if you were only doing ordering, it would, you know, the shape, you could still recreate the shape, but it wouldn't have the, the um, cardinal interpretation necessarily. In other words, first, second, third, fourth, fifth. Okay. Rather than one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. yeah. You, you see the point. Yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it would pull out the cardinal part as opposed to the, the, the ranking part. We could, we could, I guess, yeah. Because that's a cheap. If if it tests your exactly. cheap. Yeah. Exactly. And, and uh, it still gets you the shape. Right, right. And also, I guess related to this, uh, we also yes, in some seminar someone proposed uh, maybe, we can do more figures and do conjoint analysis, that will uh, make it uh, more difficult for us mm -hmm. to establish all this because these are clean, right? So, yeah, right. so yeah, cardinal, ordinal, yes, that's another very important dimension. I'm curious, there, there, there's some empirical work that choice sets matter and how people make choices. And usually when I'm looking at IMDb or Yelp or whatever it might be, I'm looking across more than two choices, like I'm looking across 10. Exactly. Do you see that when you have a more choices that this by bias, if it is a bias, is mitigated? Um, I don't know, but uh, uh, that's related to this one. We, we try to show them only one figure. That, that's actually what happens when you try to examine a, a movie, you know, Avengers, you go there, you see one distribution, or Amazon, you see one distribution. And we try to do this. If this works, then I think 10 figures should also work. Uh, yeah, but 10 figures, I, I, I guess I need to ask people which one is your most preferred, and then second, third. So, yeah, good. Okay, so there are a lot of open questions. Uh, because in the beginning, we thought it's a very simple, fun project. But then uh, we we came up with all these uh, findings that uh, we think oh, it, we can challenge branch independence, that's cool, and we could even challenge first order against dominance, then there are so many questions, like first of all, is that rational or irrational? You know, earlier I defined this as a bias because uh, we assume, you know, uh, for a seven star movie, 
if you perceive it as 7.5, then that's a bias. But what if this shape offers some information to consumers? Maybe this shape means something we don't know. Then maybe that's already you know rational. So so it's rational to do it. Um, but we need to do individual level. And the underlying mechanism, I think we discussed uh, in this study, we cannot really understand. Our guess is uh, it's just visual, but it has not been reported before. Uh, and uh, yeah, individually different DME. I think this lambda could be different for each individual. So you interpret as 40%, I interpret as 50%. Uh, rating dynamics, we talked about this. So, so this is also very interesting. There's a strong managerial implication here. Uh, you know some companies, they post fake reviews. But when you post fake reviews, mm -hmm. you increase your higher level, you, you create this shape. And uh, then maybe it will backfire, right? So just now we, we talked about this. Maybe people, when they enjoy this, uh, uh, they wouldn't enjoy this, and then they give bad ratings or bad word of mouth in other channels. Uh, so, so maybe. Um, and whether DME can be generalized to other settings. So, so in the beginning, we thought, oh, it's, uh, word of mouth is a good setting to test this. But uh, imagine in how many contexts we use histograms, pie charts, all these summary data distributions, visualizations. So if this effect can be generalized to other settings, then we're subject to all these, uh, in others, all these other settings, we're subject to this bias. So, so what's the effect? Like in the financial market, if I show you this histogram, if you're subject to this, then probably your decision will bias your you know, trading decision. And that's significant. So, so especially nowadays, we have so many dashboards, big data initiatives, and uh, do we do we create such biases? Right. So, is it possible? I mean, do you, do you have a sense of whether people get better at this, or like whether individuals like so people that are more trained in analytics, for example, do they get Great a better job or? Uh, Yes, we did a terrible job, and so it's probably pretty good analytics around it. I have to say, Harvard did a really bad job yeah, in so my test. <laughs> so basically, you know, the more obnoxious they are, the more arrogant they are. <laughs> no, but uh, it's fascinating. But, can you, but presumably once, I mean, it'd be interesting. Have you done experiments where you actually tell people that, so they go once, and then you, you tell them this is the effect? No, have, we don't tell them. And then try. We don't. It'd be interesting to see if once to see it once, whether it's still. Right. Or, or you do it again the, the following week or something. Uh, right. Or you might but, be able to, uh, I don't know how, I assume you're doing this on Mechanical Turk or. Yes, like exactly. That. So you might be able to select, right. require people to enter the pool, have some yes. sort of data analytics experience or, or something yeah. like that, so that you yes. can actually test. It'd be interesting. I mean, this is trainable. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I did this in many, uh, so I asked this question about the first order stochastic dominance, yeah. and uh, the highest I got is uh, 50, 50, 50, and the lowest I got is here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, in the experiments you uh, conducted, you also asked for people for their background information, right? <coughs> did you ask people like, about their background? Yes, yes, demographics, like, uh, yes. Yeah, statistics background or something. Maybe you could run some regression to exactly. see whether the, the exactly. ones with the stats background tend to perform better. Related to your earlier question, yes. Uh, individual level analysis, it's the next paper, so yeah. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
Do you, do you, have you thought about any analyzing the financial world, for example? Exactly. We, we, like mutual fund rates, for right. example. You know, just, right. Because um, there might be arbitrage opportunities, too. Uh, <laughs> not, not if they don't realize this bias, right? So well, that's where the opportunities are. Right. So and then we publish the paper. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can create an index, so you can all, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, I think that's all. Thank you very much. Great.